most of my clients, most of the company clients that I see come here from always from other places, but usually from other countries. And the model, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, Andrew, the model is this, gee, we've got this business we've launched in our non-US country, and we've been successful at it, and we think we can scale this thing in the United States. So we're, they're going to come to Silicon Valley first, because that's where the money is, right? It's also where the market is. I mean, we've got more than a trillion dollars. Where a lot of the talent is traditionally, too, if you and want, you know. Yeah. Yeah, market, money, and talent, um, and and that's why they want to come here. So I I see them, you know, right when they get into the U.S. This is a great place to launch, and um, and if they are looking for money, they're going to go talk to people like you, and the first thing they're going to hear is, well, gee, we don't know about investing in your Estonian corporation or whatever. Um, you know, we like Delaware corporations, and that's the discussion, you know, that we first have is, you know, do we need to flip? And I say, well, it depends on your investors. If you've got investors who are happy investing in your non-US parent, then go with that, you know, because there are real heavy consequences to migrating into the US. Most of the time they have to do that because they can't get the investors that interested in investing outside the United States. Um, so we set up the Delaware C Corp and the idea is we can, you know, poof, convert their non-US company into a US company and then go do the financing. Hello and welcome to Fireside with the VC. My name is Andrew Romans and I'm here today with my longtime friend and business partner, Roger Royce, who is now with Haynes Boone. Roger, great to see you today. Hey, Andrew, good seeing you too. Like your shirt. Oh, thanks. That's right. We'll get into that in a minute. But real fast, the focus of today's episode is talking about uh, legally flipping your company to the United States. And Roger is one of the most active startup lawyers that I know, and I know a lot of them. And so he's kind of seen everything and certainly knows what it costs and what the issues are. So at a starting point, a lot of companies are founded in the UK, in Europe, in the Middle East, Southeast Asia, South America, Latin America, Central America, Canada. And I think they often think the grass is greener on the other side. And oh, there's no angel investors here in Lisbon. If I could just only have lunch with Roger Royce, the people passing by on University of Avenue would stop and start throwing checks at me. So they think I got to flip and become a Delaware C Corp in order to get these lovely venture capitalists to get in my corner. So mm -hmm. we're going to talk a bit about the legal practicalities of what does it really mean? What does it entail? Um, sometimes there's tax issues that come up. Roger is a real tax expert also. So this is part of our, our kind of series of podcasts that get a real lawyer who does nothing but this stuff and have them explain to us and get into a conversation we, with me on the VC perspective of what we think about that. And hopefully it'll help people make some better decisions. So, so Roger, maybe, um, you, you know, I know you've seen a lot of it. it just, I kind of outlined what it is, but, you know, companies start off, maybe they don't have any funding. Maybe they already have funding and real traction and they, they're make they're trying to decide, should I, or should I not flip to what is typically a Delaware C Corp? Um, and if I do, what am I dealing with and what are the issues? And even, how long does it take and what does it cost? 
Yeah, lots of good questions. So, so let me just tell you here in my practice, I'm at Haynes Boone in Palo Alto, and I work with emerging growth and venture capital, which means technology startups in my neighborhood and the investors who invest in them. And I would say most of my clients, most of the company clients that I see come here from always from other places, but usually from other countries. And the model, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, Andrew, the model is this, gee, we've got this business we've launched in our non-US country, and we've been successful at it, and we think we can scale this thing in the United States. So we're, they're going to come to Silicon Valley first, because that's where the money is, right? It's also where the market is. I mean, we've got more than a trillion dollars. Where a lot of the talent is traditionally, too, if you and want, you know. Yeah. Yeah, market, money, and talent, um, and and that's why they want to come here. So I I see them, you know, right when they get into the U.S. This is a great place to launch, and um, and if they are looking for money, they're going to go talk to people like you. And the first thing they're going to hear is, well, gee, we don't know about investing in your Estonian corporation or whatever. Um, you know, we like Delaware corporations, and ever in Delaware, the Delaware corporation is. It has instant credibility throughout the world. Everybody knows what it is. Uh, you, you really can't go wrong with a Delaware corporation for a typical scalable you know, venture model uh, startup portfolio company. So that's what they need to be. And that's the discussion you know, that we first have is, you know, do we need to flip? And I say, well, it depends on your investors. If you've got investors who are happy investing in your non-US parent, then go with that, you know, because there are real heavy consequences to migrating into the U.S. Most of the time they have to do that because they can't get the investors that interested in investing outside the United States. Um, so we set up the Delaware C Corp and the idea is we can, you know, poof, convert their non-U.S. company into a U.S. company and then go do the financing. So that's it at a high level. Yeah. And, you know, I would say before getting into the nuts and bolts of doing that, that the grass is greener on the other side is a human characteristic. And they're, you know, the European investment fund will basically put up half the money for your first fund and try and get it down to a third of your fund moving forward. And they're only doing that if they see your fund investing in Estonian startups or wherever that fence is, French startups. You know, France, like a lot of places, it's SCIS, EIS, like Enterprise Investment Scheme in the UK. If somebody invests in a fund that only invests in UK companies, sometimes Yorkshire companies or something very specific, they pay no tax on the money that they made last year that they threw into it, like it's a 401k or, you know, like an IRA. And then they might pay no tax on the gain or some of the gain. So sometimes there's fenced in money in your home, you know, turf that is not allowed to invest in everything running around in Silicon Valley. And you might be better off truly exhausting what you're able to do rather than dreaming of Ron Conway is Santa Claus giving out 150, 250K checks to everybody that happens yeah. to go to YC. Yeah, and, and you have to be careful about that because sometimes they're just restricted. They just can't leave their own country. I've run into that. Or, gee, if we do this migration, we're going to lose all these tax benefits we've got. Plus, we've got a government investor that we have to go get their consent and waiver from. So you do run into, you know, so so that's a mixed bag. I mean, you want to take the money that's available, but understand what strings are attached. 
Yeah, I think it's not a bad idea to maybe get into Alchemist, Techstars, 500, YC or something and see, is the appetite there before necessarily making that flip? Now, practically what happens is like, you know, we invested in DigiShares and I've known Klaus back from Founders Club days. So it's like 18 year relationship, been tracking the company, kind of trying to mentor and be helpful. And he finally decided to flip to a Delaware C-Corp and really set up shop as a Miami company after being in Denmark for a long time. Now, when someone's doing that, at what stage do you have some tax consequences for, for anybody in the mix? You know, you've got founders that own some kind of common ordinary shares. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you, you create this Delaware C-Corp. You know, are you able to mirror the different classes of shares of preferred common, this kind of stuff when you flip over to Delaware? Yeah, we, we, we are, and we regularly do that, although my preference is to do a recap at that point, but we don't have to. I've done it both ways. I, you know, I've, I've done it where we, you know, Delaware, we can do that. We can mirror those to the, I mean, we can probably mirror every economic aspect of it, but you ask a really important question about the tax issues. Now, on the U.S. side, it's it's pretty simple. There's almost never a U.S. tax consequence to that inbound migration. The only exception to that, and this is why you always got to get the tax people involved, is if you've got U.S. shareholders of that foreign company. And if that's the case, the answer is maybe, because if that foreign company has earnings and profits, that's a term of art under U.S. tax law, or if it has appreciation in the stock or both, you know, we might need a little analysis and might have to do a little work to make sure there's no tax on the U.S. shareholders. Um, I've always had to analyze that issue. I've never actually had that happen. You know, we can plan around it pretty easily. What, you know, to be informed is to be, you know, armed uh, and we can deal with it. Uh, the typical case is we don't have U.S. shareholders in the foreign company, in our foreign company, so we don't worry about the U.S. tax, but we always have to worry about the foreign tax consequences. And that can be the one biggest issue in the deal because Delaware makes it Delaware makes it super easy to flip in. And the IRS makes it super easy because of course they want you here. So you become taxable in the US, but France might not want you leaving our jurisdiction, right? So we have to run it past foreign council. And I've had deals fail because of the foreign tax consequences because most, most or a lot of the countries I deal with will actually impose an exit tax. They will tax that outbound transaction. And if that's the case, we got to go back to the drawing board. And I have a hack for that. I have ways that we get around that. You know, one is we do an asset deal instead of a stock deal. Another way is we do stapled Isn't entities. Isn't that even worse? I mean, like, like, for example, from my little bit of VC experience now, um, when the company gets acquired, um, you know, we're selling shares. But we've had companies make deals where they sold asset and that was like significant. And then they still had some residual stuff that even even a few weeks ago, we got some cash in from that, even though the real asset sale happened a long time ago. And because this Delaware C Corp did a big asset sale to the kind of buyer, we, mm -hmm. we ended up paying some kind of ordinary income tax instead of capital gains tax. So that was a, that was horrible for us. That's right. That's a disaster as a U.S. matter, but we just have to go down the list. And by the way, you've kind of hit on a really important thing that I learned 30 years ago in my career uh, is, is you can't assume other countries apply the U.S. rules. 
And, and I will tell you just anecdotally, I had a case like this where we were doing this transaction through Sweden. And, um, you know, can we do the stock swap? No, it's taxable. Oh, can we do something like a merger? No, it's taxable. It's been an hour on the phone with a Swedish lawyer. And I was just about to hang up. And before I did, I said, well, I might as well ask the question. I said, is there any other way we can get those that Swedish company into the US tax free? He says, oh, yeah, you could sell the assets to it for a dollar. You know, ah, that would never work. Okay, okay. So if the asset agreement is a dollar. See, you know, now in that particular case, 30 years ago, that worked in Sweden. I'm sure they plugged that loophole by now, or I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't know, but I've met the guys from MySQL who then had Open Ocean as a VC afterwards. But that company was, you know, the open source poster child, right? You know, yeah. MySQL. And they were basically Oracle without the Oracle license, but you can eventually come to enjoy the support. And after something like 10 years of building the company in Stockholm, they at least moved to Palo Alto. Like two of the two of the three founders moved to Palo Alto. CTO stays at home, and Larry Ellison Oracle buys it for one billion cash. I would love to know if they even bothered to flip, or that was literally just moving a few bodies over here and had a subsidiary or something. Yeah, That's probably I, too too too. I mean, it seems to me, and this is where I, I'd love to hear it from you because I don't really know. I've always thought the sooner you do this, the less complex the tax considerations will be. That and sure. if 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 you're nine years in and just a year later got bought for a billion cash, um, you might it might not make any sense to do that. Like you might have, and and funding wasn't a, an issue for them. Yeah, I I would guess that deal is in the latter, because why bother flipping yeah. it up? You know. I mean, the reason we do this flip, in my experience, is um, in order to access U.S. capital markets, uh, because we can access the market without flipping easily through a subsidiary, you know, just to limit liability. And we can even access the talent, again, through setting up, a, you know, an office here. So the flip, we would do to access U.S. venture capital. And and I know, you know, I would venture, it's hard to say, but I would say... 80% of the VCs that I know that have been in business for 20 years, so kind of like the bigger ones, generally say we do not invest outside the United States. And yeah. that's after having played around a little bit and come to decide we want QSBS or just we're, we're, we have trouble finding follow-on funding from other guys that have already hit this 90% only do US, only do Delaware C-Corps. So I think that's a primary reason for doing it. Now, I guess it's going to be very different if it's France versus Sweden versus, you know, Bogota, Colombia. But what is technically happening? Is it a, is it a share exchange, like like an M&A type of transaction? It, it, yeah, it's typically it's like an all stock M&A kind of reverse merger. Uh, it can be that way. I'm doing that deal right now with a Japanese company that's flipping into the U.S., but um, and that's only because we have hundreds of shareholders. But ideally, if it's that early stage, whereas, which is where you want it, and we only have a handful of founders, we'll just do a share exchange to keep it simple. When you get a lot of founders and, you know, then we'll do some sort of merger structure. But, yeah, they're swapping their foreign company stock in exchange for U.S. company stock. And the smoke clears. They own stock in a U.S. company that owns 100 percent of a foreign stock. 
Right. And so they keep that you keep that Italian, Swedish, Danish company, whatever. And it's now 100% owned by that. And by the way, that's another reason why VCs, like we even have a company going through a 60 million fundraise right now. And I'll just throw it out and say the pre-money is between 200 and 400. We've been in this deal for a while. And the founders were saying, you know, you guys have been great. Do you want to do any secondary and sell anything? And it's like a 30X multiple for us. And um, it's actually a BVI company. And if I keep going, someone will figure out which company this is, but they have operations in many countries. And um, we were thinking with, with just being in British Virgin Islands as the top holding company, it would be hard to run a secondary outside mm -hmm. of the primary investors coming in. So if we were to auction it off, we could get a better deal. Had it been a Delaware C Corp that just straight up owns everything, I would show it to Hans at Industry Ventures, W Capital. There's a whole list of people I would show it to. After the round closes and there's a scarcity, the fact that it's BVI, I was saying to my partner, if we're going to sell something here, I think we should just do it into the round, you know, and we're selling preferred, but they're, they're willing to even sell some, some common and make it preferred. But it's an example of there are benefits to being Delaware C Corp when you're dealing with simple-minded American VCs or even or even M and A buyers that may not be as sophisticated as Google, you know, who's bought in a hundred countries. Yeah, but I I don't blame them for wanting. I mean, because and and you don't want your you're an investor, so you know you you, you don't want to deal with a company where you have to sit there and try and figure out how foreign law is going to get you. You want something that's just a glass box. You've done it a hundred times. We know what the rules are. We've got a really good court system that's interpreted it in a way that we all understand uh, because different countries can be very, very different in, in how the law works. Uh, for example, a director in, in most countries is a much different concept than a director here. Um, and it, governance works different. And, you know, nobody wants to, you know, all of a sudden find out, you know, they've invested in a company that's got this unique, interesting law that has totally, you know, uh, taken away a right that they would have had in Delaware yeah. or created a liability or an exposure. Uh, that, that's a losing battle. You are just never going to talk investors into taking that risk. Why would they? You know, and plus you don't want to as a company, you don't want them focused on your, you know, interesting legal structure. You, you know, you want to look like everybody else. Right, the dress right. for success. This is where I say keep the innovation to like your your packets and whatever you're doing. Don't get innovative on this is an uncapped, weird, funky, you know, legal document for the transaction. Um, okay, good, 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 good. And so, and what is it? Or one other thing I want to say before moving on on that topic too is that I have a little peace of mind if we're investing in a Delaware C Corp and it owns everything, so they can show me their legal structure. So we have this over here. We got engineers down there. We, we're, we're doing all these things. We have revenue coming out of this. But you, if you're buying 10% or 20% of this business, you know you've got everything because it's all under that. And you know, I have seen spinouts where the startup is saying, hey, invest in this, in this company. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, there's a bit of a shell game happening of where is the value? Where's the real company? Where are the employees? So I mean, th these are advantages. Um, you know, that said, again, I think that some people assume they should flip and there should be some analysis of, 
Um, is it a mistake to flip or not? And let's certainly understand the tax consequences ahead of time for everybody. Um, yeah. It's interesting what you said about if you invest in the startup pre-flip, which I have done, um, yeah. let's make sure like we 409A, make sure that there was no gain moving into the United States. Uh, you know, Or let's flip before that next funding round. So I should yeah. be in the clear there, correct? If you invest in a company pre-flip, yes, you're asking, are you clear? Well, and, the, and then they do, a, and they complete a round within days or weeks of setting up over here. Yeah, I wouldn't assume that as a foregone conclusion. I will tell you that's always the answer I get to. We'll figure out a way to make it happen. How about you a four hundred nine A right when they land? Okay, you do a four hundred nine A as soon as they get here. But remember, it's two things: does that company have earnings and profits? Uh, when it was a foreign company, and then number well, three things: was it more than fifty percent owned, and thirdly, was there appreciation in the stock? We we I I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this. Just understand we have a very weird counterintuitive U.S. tax rule on inbound migrations. Because remember what I said: the IRS wants to incentivize you to come here because you're taxable. So you wouldn't think they would tax a company in any scenario moving into the U.S. The rules don't exactly work that way. There are scenarios uh, where uh, it, it's weird, it's a, it's a glitch, but we, we, you know, the moral of the story is you always have to get tax advice when you do this. Yeah. And what what is the timing on this? So, you know, a lot of times things took a lot longer for me. Like even just yesterday, I had to get a letter of good conduct, good standing with Delaware. Um, because we're setting something up in Cayman. And, you know, I was pretty impressed that you can either have it sent to you FedEx, UPS, or have somebody pick it up, that I ordered it, paid a little extra bucks, and it was it was delivered the very next day. So like Delaware is set up for for action. But these things generally I find whenever there's legal stuff cross-border, things take longer than I expect. What should one expect on the timing if everyone is kind of rowing in the same direction there's not a lot of back and forth disagreement how long does it take to flip from your normal jurisdiction into delaware yeah well the answer is it depends if we're going to do a simple share exchange it takes as long as it takes people to sign documents that can be done almost immediately and as you said the more shareholders you have the longer that's going to take um, I mean, we can. I mean, we can do the securities compliance easily. We don't have to file anything with Delaware. Maybe we have to increase the number of authorized shares, but that's a day, you know. So it's trivial the filings uh, on on the U.S. side. That's not going to hang people up. I mean, what's going to hang people up is dealing with your shareholder base, explaining to them what's going on, getting their consents, getting them to sign documents. And as you know, it's a cultural thing in some countries are you know are, are a little more reluctant to sign legal legal documents than others things that happen in the us as a matter of course every day might take a little splaining in other places so that's the real issue yeah and i would say in closing out on this topic is um uh, really get some commitments on on from investors before you flip if otherwise it's not the right thing for you um, yeah, you know, Americans are famous for saying, I think this is great. We're almost as bad as the English. Whereas like D Danish people, Israelis will tell you right to your face what they think. 
um, about it as opposed to just lots of Canadian polite encouraging words. Um, so I, I would make sure that if if I if I think I need to do this to make this lead investor happy, that we've yeah. got a basic term sheet. Or yeah, a strong I, indication of interest. I agree, and and I have a hack for that because because the uncomfortable conversation we usually have is the foreign company goes to the investor. And the investor says, I love you, but you need to be a Delaware Corp before we'll invest. And the company says, well, if you invest, I'll become a Delaware Corp. So, so now what do we do? What I do is I say, look, at closing, we get a term sheet. You know, we'll do the documents. And a condition of closing is we will be a Delaware headquartered company uh, or, or parent Delaware company at closing of the investment. So we, we bridge that gap. Uh, but you're right. I've seen companies kind of jump the gun on this. And they come into Delaware and then they don't get an investment. Well, now you got a whole structure that's subject to US tax that doesn't need to be. And the worst part is if they come into Delaware and they've got foreign investors, so foreign US foreign business, you've just run everything through the US, added an additional layer of tax you didn't need to. So yeah, we need to, you know, we yeah. need to strategize that. Also, I, I mean, you know, people in Berlin are so nationalistic about Berlin, it's kind of like New York like you know new york new york and and we're not the valley like you know these berliners don't even want to invest in hamburg cologne bavaria you know so the minute you flip you may have shut off the faucet on that local excited nationalistic not to mention fenced in legally tax break you know to get the ecosystem going well roger any other comments any yeah, other comments i want to have you back soon on some other legal topics no, thanks. I'm glad to be here. This is this is interesting. It's what we do all day, every day, so I could talk to you forever about it. Okay, my friend. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.